It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Saturday marks the 20th anniversary of the devastating terror attacks in New York, Washington, and Shanksville, Pennsylvania, on September 11, 2001. The United States was shaken on 9-11, but in the days and weeks that followed, we saw the best of America as the country leaned on each other to get back on their feet. As we observe this 20th anniversary, we honor those we lost, the heroes that put their lives on the line to help others and protect the country, and those who are still suffering today. For this and more, we'll bring in our panel, John Scott, anchor of the Fox Report Weekend, and Ari Fleischer, former press secretary to President George W. Bush. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Um, You know, John, every year we play that video, and um, you are anchoring the coverage as those planes hit. And I wonder every year, you know, as we get to this point, especially 20 years, uh, what you think on that day? I can't believe it's been 20 years, Brett, and it, it, it is the most vivid memory of my lifetime. I mean, right right alongside the birth of my children. Um, the, the events that happened that morning and the work that all of us did at Fox that day is just seared into my mind. Yeah, and obviously a lot has changed over the time, but as, as you reflect back, I think it's it's true. It's hard to believe it's 20 years. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the country has has moved on. And I wonder if we've we've kind of forgotten that moment in some aspects. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. I was actually at the 9-11 Museum in lower Manhattan, maybe about a month ago. And it was packed and it was packed with young kids, especially who, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about teenagers and, and, and below, but, but people who weren't even born when the attacks took place. And, you know, at the time they talked about building a museum. I, I remember thinking, well, is anybody really going to want to remember this event or mark it, you know, down the road? But I think quite clearly, um, People do. They want to know. They want to remember. And I think, fr- frankly, the, the museum is is a wonderful experience and very well done. I would urge people to visit if they haven't had the chance yet. Yeah. My kids ask all the time about 9-11. And obviously, I was a part of the coverage in the hours and days after that uh, from the Pentagon. But um, they, I'd like to bring them to that museum, definitely, to, to just show them. Uh, they have all kinds of questions, and it's it's hard to remember that you have this next generation that is it just doesn't remember those searing Im- images like we do. Ari, you oh, yeah. obviously had a big uh, 
position at the time and a unique perspective on that day? Yeah, you know, every year right around this time, as I start to watch the documentaries and you relive the footage, it just brings back, brings about such sadness. You know, I don't, it's just, there's going to always be something about this time of year. And it's so appropriate for all of us to go through that, I think, just to put ourselves as close as you can into the shoes of those who lost a loved one on that day. And that's what September 11th should always be about going forward, remembering those who lost their lives, but also, Brett, making sure it never happens again. Those are the two enduring lessons of September 11th. So talk about your day. I know we've relived it a lot, but talk about your day that day. Well, you know, it couldn't have began a more beautiful, crisp, cool day, even in Florida, where Sarasota, where the president was for a reading event. Uh, no humidity in Florida. And as I pulled in the motorcade to the school, I got a page, an old-fashioned page. We didn't have smartphones back then. And it said, an airplane has hit the World Trade Center. And that's all I had. That was all the information. I thought it had to be some type of accident, probably a small plane of some type. And then as the president was reading to those school children, I was about 20 feet over his left shoulder and leaning against the wall. And I got a second page and it said, another plane hit the World Trade Center, second tower. And I knew at that instant it had to be terrorism. And about a minute later, Andy Card walked in and whispered in the president's right ear, a second plane hit the second tower. America is under attack. And from that moment forward, the world had changed. And um, I basically spent much of the day glued to the president's side, taking very detailed verbatim notes on everything he did and said. But the thing that stands out to me the most was being next to the president when he was on the phone with the secretary of defense in, in his cabin on Air Force One. And he said, we're at war. And it kind of sent a shiver down my spine when, when you hear the commander in chief on a day when America is being attacked, say to the secretary of defense, we're at war. Because you know what that means. And that defined the future right from that moment on. Yeah. It's truly amazing. It changed everything. Um, that day I was in the Atlanta bureau. I had started in the Atlanta bureau soon after Fox started, but I'd been there um, and we had office space and, and uh, I was heading into work and, you know, the first plane hits and we immediately get that page uh, call in and they want me to go up to New York to help back up um, for Fox affiliates at, you know, the affiliate service and all the Fox stations around the country. So we're getting ready to book planes, um, uh, plane tickets up to New York. And then a short time later, that second plane hits and we're glued to the TV and John's anchoring of this moment. And uh, we get another page and says, uh, drive, start driving. Oh. And we get in a car, a producer and myself from Atlanta and start going North. We had our bags packed. We always had a, couple of days of, of clothes in a bag at the office because I was always on the road for one reason or another, but hopped in the car, started driving and got outside Atlanta. And then the third plane hits and uh, they reroute us to the Pentagon. And I start doing live shots for Fox affiliates outside the burning Pentagon 
uh, in the hours that followed. And I never left. I literally never went back to Atlanta. I, they packed up my stuff. They said, do you want to be the national security correspondent? And next thing I would know is on a trip with defense secretary Rumsfeld overseas as he's making a case for war. And I never went back to Atlanta. So nine 11 changed a lot of lives. It definitely changed my life uh, directly. Um, but John, I remember like when you're walking in to start the anchoring day, it's just a normal day. Oh yeah. Well, I was going to be interviewing, um, somebody who'd written a book on the death penalty. And uh, there was a, a fairly well-known singer who was going to be uh, a guest that day, you know, and I'd spent a couple of hours just planning, you know, uh, going through the, the expected show. And all of a sudden, as I was walking into the studio about 10 minutes till nine, that all went out the window. I already was hooked up to the IFB, it's called. That's the little um, earpiece that, People can see from time to time that anchors wear. It allows the control room to talk to you. I was already hooked up to the EFB and a very excited producer, my, my senior producer, got in my ear and said, John Scott, get to the studio now. And I said, why? What's going on? And he said, a plane's hit the World Trade Center. So normally in those days, I would go on at about 9 a.m. Eastern. And on this particular day, um, they cut out of Fox and Friends a few minutes early, and, and I got on the air, I think, about five minutes till nine. And, the, you know, from there, we saw one smoking tower at that point, and everybody thought it was an accident. And then the day unfolded the way it did. And we were lucky. Your, your airline expertise, uh, airplane expertise and pilot experience uh, kind of factored in there, too. Well, it did. I wasn't actually a pilot at that time, but I was a, a wannabe pilot, and I read all of the aviation magazines direct, uh, voraciously. And, and that's how I knew about Osama bin Laden, because he had been implicated in what was called the Bojinka plot. That was a plot that uh, was going to involve the assassination of the Pope and the simultaneous blowing up of, I think, 11 airliners as they crossed the Pacific. Ramzi Youssef was heavily involved in that, in the planning of it. And they might have pulled it off, or at least part of it, except that they had an explosion and a fire in the Philippines that, as they were, I guess, practicing bomb making and that, uh, that led to their exposure. So um, Bin Laden was already on my radar, and I knew that he had tried or he, he liked to use airplanes in, uh, in terror incidents. And that's, that's why he was top of mind when the second plane hit. Pretty amazing. And, you know, as we already fast forward to now and then looking back, and obviously we have a different situation with Afghanistan this year and uh, the Taliban flying their flag essentially over the U.S. Embassy in Kabul uh, this 20th anniversary. It brings back the prospect, uh, and we hope not, but the prospect of radical jihadists and terrorism uh, coming to the forefront again. Yeah, and before I touch on that, but I, I want to make a point listening to you and John describe your day, and this might give you some type of appreciation for how those of us in government react on a moment of crisis. You know, what's interesting to me about the media, particularly television, is how important a role television coverage plays in getting information into the hands of the government in a crisis. For all the assets that the government has, for all the people we have, 
There is no substitution for having cameras everywhere, which the media has. And so when things like this happen, everyone, including people of the government, are glued to television for reports, the latest about what goes on. And, and I remember that during the Boston Marathon shooting as well. You know, this is the power of television and reporters who faithfully adhere to describing the facts and tell everybody what they saw play a huge role in informing not only the country, but the, but the government until we have other means and different information starts to come about. Um, that was clear to everybody on September 11th. As for now, I mean, my gosh, I mean, every, based on everything I knew about the Taliban, about Al-Qaeda, and certainly since then about ISIS and what happens in a vacuum in the Middle East, especially always getting filled by the most dangerous elements, it's hard to imagine anything other than that happening in Afghanistan. There is no history over the last 20 years that would inspire anybody to think that what can come next in Afghanistan will be in any way peaceful or that will leave the West alone. And it's just a shame in my book that presidents were tired of making the case for keeping a small force, a minimum force, in a support role in Afghanistan. We all became exhausted, it seemed. But yeah, I think that would have been a par preferable course. Yeah, it's true. I mean, without the um, intelligence assets on the ground, it's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. Guys, let's hold it right there. We'll continue after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. John, we've seen the country change in its security posture since that day, 9-11. Obviously, TSA changed and, you know, the hardening of targets like the White House and the Pentagon all changed. Um, I wonder if if our mentality has changed about terrorism as we've gone further and further away from that day. Well, um things have hardened up, obviously. And, and as you say, I mean, there was no TSA. I remember when I finally left the anchor chair that day after I think about eight hours on the air, I went down to the newsroom and some, some young people were asking me, you know, how could this happen? How, how could they, you know, hijack planes? And I said, well, listen, I, I carry my multiplier on an airplane, you know, I, with a three or four inch blade. That's pretty easy to do. So everything has changed since then. I hope, I mean, you know, the, the goal of terrorism is in its name, you know, to, to inspire terror, to terrorize people, to scare them into behaving in ways that they otherwise wouldn't. And I hope that, you know, this country sort of lives the example of the British during the bombings in World War II. The British, you know, were horribly struck by Germany, but they just toughed it up and soldiered on. And I hope that if there is another successful terror attack on our homeland, I hope that we can, you know, manage it, deal with it and, and react to it. And, and um, I'm certainly not wishing for something like that to occur, but if it happens, uh, I hope we can take it in stride. I hope that in some ways, 9-11 has taught us that we are a tougher, tougher people than Maybe we thought we were. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. And you look at, uh, you know, 
different populations that deal with this all the time. Like, for example, the Israelis, they learn to live with it. Um, they get tougher because of it. And I just I wonder, too, about America and, and the thought process um, and our kids of whether they understand the threat that we face all the time. Ari, uh, President Bush, when he started, there was no he was not going to be a wartime president. It, it didn't seem like it was heading that way on the horizon. If I remember, uh, Defense Secretary Rumsfeld in his confirmation hearing didn't mention the word Afghanistan. Um, and yet it consumed then from that point on um, the presidency. You know, and I've gone back and looked at the debate in the year 2000 between Bush and Al Gore, and it was almost all domestic focused. It was remarkable after the Berlin Wall came down, the 1990s really changed things, didn't they? And the, there was the peace dividend where the military was cut back. Um, it was not on people's radar. And the biggest foreign policy crisis we had in 2001 until September 11th, of course, was a little civil war in a country called Macedonia. And that was about it on the foreign policy scale. And the attacks took place. Now, some people would argue that we had been attacked five times prior to that, going back to the first World Trade Center truck bomb in 1993. And then there was a series of attacks, the USS Cole in October of 2000, uh, the attacks on our embassies in Africa, and several other terrorist attacks. Uh, and then it culminated in this one. And, and, you know, when I look back at, are we safer since then? You know, my conclusion now is it's a, it's a split verdict. We're safer because of many of the steps that we've taken now using intelligence. The FBI and the CIA are able to share a lot more information. Uh, we're tougher in getting information from uh, foreigners. Our, our laws have changed. We're much more aggressive. We've used armed drones uh, internationally to, with, with considerable success. So we're doing things that we never would have done pre-9-11 with success. On the other hand, with the changes in Afghanistan now, that's the split verdict. This is where I worry about uh, al-Qaeda and other elements regrouping. Uh, 20 years later, with better technology, better means, and one adage I learned on September 12th that remains true today, uh, we have to, the government, get it right every second of every day. The terrorists just have to get lucky once, and that hasn't changed. Yeah, Ari, I've, I've heard you speak about this before, but I, I think it's fascinating about what you learned in the hours and days after that about communication and crisis communication and how to handle that uh, real time. And, and the most important thing is to level with the American people. And one of the reasons that we're tough people is because we can handle the truth. And you have to tell the American people what the threat is how likely it is or isn't, and what we need to do to brace ourselves for it or to prevent it from happening. And then you need to share to the greatest extent possible what the government is doing to stop it. Um, and at all times, Brett, to be calm. You know, one of the things I learned about myself on September 11th and then going forward when I stood at that podium afterward is the worse things got, somehow the calmer I became. And I never knew that about myself. I think that's one of the things you learn when you go through a, a, a serious testing. You see what's inside you. Uh, but those are the keys. And, and the American people will always prevail. As divided as we are today, 
we will always unite and prevail when there's a serious threat to our country. Um, but it's up to the leaders to tell us and speak straight with us. And then we'll, we'll give the leaders the direction we want them to go. Yeah. And John, you know, start where or end where we started, uh, your calm anchoring on that day for the eight hours yeah. you're on, uh, really did set a, a different tone. Um, I looked at some other channels during that time that were, um, well, I mean, they were just hysterical at times, but um, but it does make a difference in how you deliver something as horrible as that. Well, I I came close to breaking down early on. I, I can normally um, keep my emotions in check, but we had a, a floor director who was watching the coverage and she just started wailing. And when I see other people affected, that affects me. And I, I almost lost it. But then I just kind of realized that if, if I got emotional, it wasn't going to help anybody out there watching. So I kind of sucked it up a little bit and, and, and tried to get through what was a horrible day without, um, without too much emotion. Talking about you know, the events of that day and the, and the reaction of the country, my oldest son was 12 and he was deeply offended by what happened. And as a result, wound up, you know, joining the army and going to West Point and, um, and, and fighting in Afghanistan. So, you know, I think all across the country, um, our, our armed forces, you know, many of our armed forces today were not born on 9-11, but they have volunteered for these very dangerous jobs because they love this country and they want to keep us safe. Yeah. And that's what we have to remember. Um, you know, when I started at the Pentagon and then once we go into Afghanistan, so it's, let's see, 19 years, eight months ago, I land in Bagram Air Base with Defense Secretary Rumsfeld and a group of reporters on a C-17 and were met at the plane by Northern Alliance fighters armed to the teeth. Um, you know, the Secret Service is freaked out. We, they are very peaceful. They meet us at the plane. They tell us, don't walk off the tarmac because there are landmines right off the tarmac in Bagram. And that began what you know, for me was 13 times uh, visiting Afghanistan with various troops. And to your point, John, um, you know, we forget how many families have been affected by either time spent over there by loved ones or losing a loved one or seeing somebody injured because of the war in Afghanistan. And um, uh, we have to remember that. So uh, hopefully the spirit of 9-12, which was the day after 9-11, where the country really did come together. Um, can can permeate through again. Gentlemen, I really appreciate it as we get ready for this 20th anniversary. Thank you. That'll do it for this week. In the wake of the anniversary, we honor those who perished, those who were left behind to grieve. You know, We will never forget. The country will never forget that day. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For John and Ari, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.